unscripted, unbound, unconditional. Welcome to The Well Unfiltered. I'm Mindy. I'm Nicole. And we are the hosts of The Well Unfiltered podcast. Where each episode you'll hear unscripted faith stories that will make you think. Unbound life lessons that will crack you up. I'm talking adjust your waistband laughter. But most of all, unconditional grace and love that will help you connect to God and to other women. Welcome to The Well Unfiltered. Well, welcome back to The Well Unfiltered. I am Nicole. And I am Mindy. And we are excited to continue our Unfiltered conversation series. And I think this conversation is going to be pretty unfiltered because it's about loneliness, Mm -hmm. uh, something that we often don't talk about in church spaces or we don't even talk about with our close friends. In any spaces. And I think to kick off this conversation unfiltered, just to get a hot take, what is the most um, difficult experience of loneliness you've had, Mindy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, I would say the time that I felt the loneliest Mm -hmm. was when we moved from Indianapolis to Pasadena for me to start seminary at Fuller. Mm -hmm. We had... Uh, Zach and I had been married for two days, two whole days. It was a oh, very wow. long commitment. At this time. <laughs> <laughs> and we got in the car and we drove across the country and we showed up at this school where it felt like everyone had community. Mm-hmm. And here we were and we had left an awesome community okay. here of just people that we loved so much. Mm-hmm. And I remember at one point, like a few weeks in, we, we lived in an apartment community and there was like a little playground. I went out to the playground and I called my friend Amanda and I'm like sitting on a teeter-totter crying. And I was like, I just want to come back. I just want to come back. And she's like, God has you there for a reason. So it was a whole moment. But it, it truly was one of the loneliest times. I think not just because of the move, but moving into a space where it felt like everyone was hanging out. And then here we were. And we didn't quite know how to find our people for mm-hmm. for a season. We eventually did, and it it became a really treasured part of our lives. But that was that was really lonely yeah. for me. What about you? I think the lonely loneliest. Why can't we say that? I know word? that's a hard the the loneliness. <laughs> that's not the word. Yes, the loneliest I have ever felt. Um, similar time frame. Um, not two days after marriage, but my husband was um, a senior pastor for the first time in a church in Atlantic City. And Atlantic City was very different from the ivy-covered buildings of Princeton, New Jersey. Indeed. And I moved there, um, and I felt incredibly isolated And that isolation, I really can kind of pinpoint it to one experience in particular where, you know, we were on like the Christian be fruitful and multiply plan where (laughs) we immediately got married. And then six months after we got married, we're expecting our first child. And I remember having Joshua and my very close group of girlfriends sent me a text message with a link to buy this ticket to a girl's trip they were planning in Ireland. And Joshua was a couple months old by this point, 
And I realized either you don't realize that I've just had a whole human. A whole human. (laughs) And I'm not going to Ireland for seven days, Mm -hmm. nor do I have like all of my resources, not only physically and mentally and spiritually, but even financially are connected to this whole human. All of my finances are in diapers right now. (laughs) Yes. I have no money. And there's no Ireland (laughs) piece of this. No. And it was... It, was, it felt like I was in on this island by myself. And mm-hmm. this experience was one that I was going to experience without the people that I had been sharing life with for so many years before that. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can we, like, take a minute, though? Let's and take a minute. point something out. Because I think if we're going to talk about loneliness, we have to talk about the common thread mm-hmm. in our stories. So I think... In life, and I would say especially in the church, Mm -hmm. there is this false assumption that when you, you know, get married, when you have a child, when you, like, check off this, like, really ambiguous set of boxes that you're supposed to do, that, like, all these struggles are going to go away. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've... I've heard from people like, well, if I just have that person, if I just get married, like, I won't be lonely. And bad news, yes, you will. Mm -hmm. If you have a child attached to your body at all times, you can still feel lonely. Sometimes lonely in a really frustrating and unique way. And so I think as we talk about this, it's important to remember that, like, any of us can feel lonely. And that's normal. It's part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. And we have to give ourselves permission to feel the things that we feel and have the experiences we experience. And, And I think in connection to that, if we go into marital relationships or any kind of relationship with the expectation that you are the cure for my loneliness, it not only inevitably fails, mm-hmm. but it puts so much pressure so much. on that other person mm-hmm. to be everything. And they will never fulfill that need. Yeah. And when you talk about that shared human need, it has been exacerbated in this COVID season. So much so that Harvard, um, that's Harvard calling now. No, (laughs) they just call you regularly. Yes, they do. Actually, uh, again, I shared in another episode that I was an infectious disease specialist because of Google. From Harvard. From Harvard's Google database. Um, But now I've moved on in my research. And in thinking about this, Harvard did this series of studies on what they're calling um, the United States of Caring and some different trends that they're seeing around health and well-being. And one of their studies was on loneliness. And this this is going to completely, I think, trip some of us up, Mm -hmm. that 36% of all Americans, including 61% of young adults and 51% of mothers with young children, doesn't matter their age, just mothers with young children, feel what they call serious loneliness. Serious loneliness. Serious loneliness. So again, let me show you my degree. Please. Um, It's not just that episodic, I'm lonely at this moment, but this pervasive feeling of isolation and disconnection. Mm -hmm. And some of it is related to COVID, but some of it is something that people experienced pre-COVID that's only Uh, grown in this Mm -hmm. time, and as we come out of this, are still struggling with how to navigate. And I think that it is 
especially challenging when we talk about these statistics because everyone's experiencing it, but it hasn't changed the way we talk about it, especially in faith spaces. Yeah, or how we relate to each other. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we can both be experiencing loneliness, but no one (laughs) says that they're lonely, so nobody has their needs met, and we just continue in this isolation. And I, I think that maybe we need to think about what keeps people from having this conversation. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if there's a couple of barriers that you've noticed, Mm -hmm. um, not only as a pastor, but also as a human who shares in having had one of those lonely seasons of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is just this idea that it is pretty incredibly vulnerable to say, I'm lonely, mm. to reach out to people and and to share that or to share that openly because it feels like we shouldn't be. Yeah. Like it feels like we have enough activity or people around. And especially I would say for you and I, like we are always surrounded by people in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes saying that I feel lonely at times, which I still do feel lonely. I'm sure that's mm-hmm. true for you. Yeah. Um, I think it confuses people sometimes. Like it doesn't fit the expectation. And so sometimes I feel like there's an expectation that my life should be just like perfectly socially fulfilled. And so it's hard to share that um, and and navigate that with people. Mm -hmm. I think of another, a barrier that I think is connected to that is admitting, you know, in relationship to that weakness or codependency. Mm -hmm. And... Um, this is where I'm showing my age, but I remember driving with my friends and turning up independent woman um, Mm -hmm. by Destiny's Child, and we are supposed to be self-sufficient, running businesses, even though we're 19, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. demanding our checks on time, and all of these things, and to not only have the vulnerability to admit that you need, to say I need relationship, but also to say that this is a place that we, that we are codependent on one another, mm. I think flies in the face of what we often value as a culture, mm-hmm. which is this rugged individualism, um, focus on self, and that we don't want to admit that we actually need other people mm-hmm. and that other people bring value into our lives. And that's a, that's a huge barrier, yeah. I think, for moving on um, from loneliness. It may, I, it may think of this word interdependency mm-hmm. and like that that's the healthy way that we're together is that right. we, we need each other in a mutual way. Like we're not just taking, taking, taking from yeah. each other or giving yeah. without receiving, but we really we do kind of those things in balance. And it mm-hmm. makes me think about, I'm, I'm teaching a class right now, a, a Bible study class, and we were looking at the creation story a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And someone in my class was like, what does it mean when God says, let's make humankind in our image? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, oh, it's the first hints of the Trinity. And <laughs> I just got so excited. And, and that's what all people do when they hear about the Trinity. Definitely. That little, <laughs> they yes. do a little dance, yes, a little shimmy. It's great. <laughs> But I love that expression because it shows, like, even from the very beginning, 
God is speaking about God's self and community. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we don't, we weren't designed to be like these rugged individualist people. Yeah. We were designed to care for and be cared about by each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that another, you know, huge barriers, barrier aside from that clear example that God is telling us is just the bravery that it requires in risking oneself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can remember uh, having Joshua and really being desperate for other community um, with other moms because all of my friends were on a different kind of social path still being um, childless, which is a wonderful money-filled island. <laughs> and I was on this island of poverty because all of your money now goes to your child. And I remember sitting at the library, and this is like so after school special. I'm sitting at the library with my baby bag and my son, and this woman comes in and like smiles warmly and waves and I'm waving back, <laughs> and she's looking at the person behind me. Ooh, and I'm like, bomb, oh, bomb. and you know, this is, I, I hope that if you're listening to this online or you're listening in your car that you go back to our YouTube page because literally I tried to do one of those, like, <laughs> like I I'm wasn't dancing. waving at what you. Am I, doing? I was doing an interpretive dance mm-hmm. and holding my baby in a more. As you do. A, as you do. And it was I couldn't just say, oh, I thought you were talking to me and introduce myself. It was like, no, I'm going to actually pretend that this social interaction mm-hmm. did not happen. And that I didn't like light up yes. at the potential yes. of a social interaction. So all of these things work together. I don't want to be vulnerable. I could get rejected. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to admit that I was actually designed to be in these dependent and connected relationships because... That's actually how God operates and invites us to operate as well. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, as we think about these barriers, I wonder how, I know that there are seasons in our life where we still struggle with loneliness, but when you think about, you brought up Pasadena and Mm -hmm. how that ended up being one of the most treasured experiences of our lives, what strategies or advice would you offer to the person listening in their car right now who's thinking, I'm going to go back on the YouTube and look at that dance? Mm -hmm. What would you tell them? Yeah. So it's funny when I think about that season in Pasadena and then um, sort of my season now, because they have this common thread, which is pushing past the awkwardness and Mm -hmm. just doing it. So when I was in Pasadena, I feel like the social tide turned when my friend Megan sent me a Facebook message, mm-hmm. and you've heard me talk about Megan a lot, we're trying to have her on the podcast at some point. <laughs> so, because she's just one of the best people I know, but she sent me a Facebook message and mm. was like, Hey, so I know I see you at church. Like, I just, she had just had a baby. Like, okay. her daughter was probably like six months old when she messaged me. She's like, Life feels really weird right now, but I think that we probably would get along from, you know, how I've experienced you. And so, would you like to get coffee sometime? And I was like, 
Uh, yes, because I don't know anyone. So please, let's have coffee. <laughs> what about right now? That'd be you great. Ready? Yeah. Are you, what you doing? Great. <laughs> um, and so that really, like, that simple act of reaching out mm. set the stage for one of, like, the most important friendships to me. Mm. So then fast forward, and we're here, and we're in Indianapolis, and I'm going through this ordination process. And there was a woman. So the whole ordination process has been virtual so far because thanks COVID. Yes. So, you know, it's like, hi, these are supposed to be, like, your 20 closest people that you see on a Zoom screen. <laughs> um, but I, there was one woman on these calls that would always stand out to me. Like I, I really appreciated her comments. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes we get like some funny back and forth. And so I sent her an email and I was like, hey, I really think you seem like a cool person on Zoom. I'd love to get to know you better. Making friends as an adult is really weird. So would you want to do like a Zoom coffee with me and just get to know each other? And I like wrote the email, was very thoughtful about it. And then I, I remember I was in my kitchen, my laptop was on my counter and I like walked back and forth. I was like, I can't send this email. I'm so weird. Like she's going to get this and be like, who is this person sending me this email being like, I want to be your friend. And I was like, that's it. I'm hitting send. It was so dramatic. If you had been there, it would have been a whole, a whole mood. But so I hit send and she replied Five minutes later, I was like, mm. absolutely. It is so hard to make friends as an adult. I would love to have Zoom coffee with you. Mm. And now we meet on Zoom about once a month. She lives up in Lafayette. And okay. it's like been this really treasured connection. And I thought all it took was saying, yeah, this is awkward and a little like outside mm-hmm. of the norm. But maybe we could have a connection. Yeah. And I know that that won't work every time. But for me, it's like seeing the sort of the reward with taking that emotional risk. Mm -hmm. Listening to that reminds me of, I think, an experience that I didn't even realize, maybe until this conversation, shaped some of my, I think, missteps with addressing seasons of loneliness. I was in seminary, and when I was visiting, there was this um, other student who was so nice to me during the orientation weekend. And I was so excited. She was still going to be a student when I was in my first year to get to know her. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, oh, do you want to have coffee? And she's like, sure. And so we had coffee. She was still always really nice. And I think I invited her to lunch or something. And she said, it gives me so much. I remember she sent me this long email. It gives me so much joy to watch, you know, you grow in your faith and something, something. You already know it's heading. Whenever, when an email starts like that, I'll never forget this one line. I'm not really looking for new friendships. And I was like, uh-huh. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and it was like, oh, that's, that's a, I've never had that experience in my life. And I think now, and it's funny, years later, she actually apologized to me and was saying, I really um, felt somewhat uncomfortable in that season of my life and really did not want to invite someone else into what was going on in that season. Mm -hmm. And I realized I'd said something to you that could have been hurtful. But I've, I've seen that as a meme, as a hashtag, as a song, like that no new friends um, narrative that we have everything that we need in these, the relationships that have already been established. And it's funny, later as our lives were crossing other paths, um, there was this big conference I was putting together. 
And I really thought she would have been a perfect person. Um, she had a, a similar grief experience. I think there were things that we could have offered one another that were not offered because of that pervasive idea that I actually don't need to invite other people into our life, into my life. And I think that at some point as I was growing in my adulthood, I also have bought into that thought at different times of my life because relationships require energy. Yes, they do. They require tending. Mm -hmm. And to take on a new relationship is to say, I'm going to invest some of my limited time into whatever this friendship mm -hmm. may be. And I think that sometimes we, we approach it with this scarcity mindset oh. as opposed to the fact that perhaps this relationship could be a blessing that gives me more energy to connect with the people and the things that I love. Mm -hmm. And that was another kind of big barrier that I've experienced. I think there may even be out there on these interwebs some <laughs> thing I have posted around no new friends with a picture of all my, <laughs> my girlfriends. If you find it, please don't. I just don't, don't send it. Yeah, it's just bad. scroll. Go away. But, like, <laughs> I think of the, the people, even, I mean, I'm... I know I look 21, yes. but I'm 36, and I think if we had not become friends, what, even having these kinds of conversations, growing this online community, if that narrative had been at mm. work in my life, what would have been missed? Yeah. And that that's why God invites us into this interdependent relationship with people around us, because it really is for our shared blessing. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't want to miss it. I don't want anyone out there to miss what God may have for you um, when you break out of your loneliness or your isolation. And I'm just sitting here thinking about the gift of having people who are for you mm. and who you are for. Mm -hmm. I think that that can be a really tricky thing to find especially in female friendships yeah because there's this I think it's false is what I'll say <laughs> it's false that you know our our female friendships have to be sort of centered around this like competition that scarcity there's not enough I mean especially for us as yeah. people that work together like there's not enough room at the table there's right. not you know all of those things that are again false and but when we like hold those things as truth that gets in the way mm -hmm. and I think it we lose so much like I think about this group of women um, who I led in a mom's group here at church and I started doing it because it was something I could do for my job and then I realized a few months and I was like oh no I'm getting something out of this like mm. this is feeding my soul because these women are 100% for each other mm -hmm. they have different experiences different backgrounds, all the things, but they are for each other. And mm -hmm. I always would walk out of that room thinking like, this is a sacred thing yeah. that you don't find everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think when we talk about sacred things, you, you brought up the creation story. What other scriptural narratives inform your thoughts around loneliness? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is probably a... Um, 
hot take on this story, <laughs> which is obviously not something I say about scripture that much. Um, I did once write a paper in seminary, and the professor wrote, this is a very provocative viewpoint on this passage. I'm here for it. I thought that was a win. <laughs> um, so anyway, when I think about community and loneliness, I... I'm always reminded that I'm at my best when I am connected to my community. That's when I make my best decisions. That's when mm-hmm. I have the best sort of view of myself. And I think about the story of David, um, David and Bathsheba. I know it's famous. We know it, all the things. So Mindy, for those that don't know, um, who are more heathen like, like me, what, what's like the two sentence, sentence synopsis of David and Bathsheba? The synopsis I would say is David is home. All of his community is out fighting this battle. He's up on his roof. He sees Bathsheba bathing, and he decides that he would like to have an encounter with Bathsheba. And, I mean, at its core, it's really a story about, like, power and rape and all these things Mm -hmm. that are are really hard and heavy that we are not unpacking in this episode. Mm -hmm. But he has sex with this man's wife, not his wife, and then has the man killed because he wants to cover it up. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is a whole chain reaction of a mess. And when I think about that story, the thing that I always come back to is he was alone. All of his people were gone. What's he doing? Mm -hmm. Who's there to check his motivation? Like, who was in his inner circle? He was someone who had a ton of power. Were there people that could do that? I mean, you see that later in the story with the prophet Nathan. But I, I just think... We are not at our best selves mm-hmm. when we don't have our trusted people mm-hmm. around us. Yeah. And I think that the the narrative that comes up for me scripturally is actually Adam um, and, and God looking at Adam and saying, it's not good for you to be alone. Mm-hmm. And so it connects to that divine dependency. But also, um, in my kind of scriptural imagination... Adam is at Pride Rock and like all of the animals <laughs> are doing their, like the this. antelopes are dancing, the elephants are raising their trunks. Like that's mm-hmm. happening all the time yeah. uh, in Eden. And I guess what it also reminds me is that we can't confuse activity around us with connection. Can and you say that again? Yes. Because that is like the lesson Do that I'm learning at all times. confuse activity with connection. Because there were literally so many species like to connect with. And also, I think most importantly, there was God to connect with. I mean, in, yes. in the Genesis narrative, Adam and Eve are not praying to a God that they cannot see physically. This is God showing up physically with them. And God still says, it's not good for you to be alone, recognizing that there is this space that you and I connect spiritually, but there's also this space where you need human connection. And I think that sometimes we think of all of the, we have to go to work, we have to go to the PTA meeting, we have to, um, whatever the things may be, and I shouldn't be lonely. And we don't actually address our loneliness because we see all the activity. But that does not mean connection. And Mm -hmm. we need those places and those people in our lives where that connection can happen. And spoiler alert, most of the time, it won't be something you can Instagram or Facebook later. 
And this is a really hard lesson for me. I am always the person like, time for the group photo. <laughs> and everyone's like, no, it's not time for the group photo. You know what's so funny <laughs> is we, so we recently went to this like fall thing. Oh, yeah. And all of our photos were junk. Yes. They were terrible. It was yes. dark. The lighting was bad. I was like, we have no pictures. But we did not stop trying. But we did not. And we should have given it up because we yes. were present. We were being fun. Yes. And I was like, I have to document this. And we didn't. Yes. And we still did it. Mm-hmm. So can I say something, though, about what you're talking yeah. about with the activity? So this really has been like the spiritual sort of the thing that God is working on me now, and I'm very reluctant to engage in this work. So I noticed when COVID has started like lifting a little bit, all the things have started again. Mm-hmm. And I thought during the height of the pandemic, maybe I had conquered my FOMO. That was not true. <laughs> we just all out. stopped doing things. <laughs> so yes, I have like intense fear of missing out. And I realized as like activity started picking up and there were things that I wasn't invited to, I like felt it all come back. And I was like, mm. oh, worthiness, all the things. And what God has really been working on me about is the time I spend in solitude with God is the only thing that's going to cure that FOMO. Like, if I don't do my own self-spiritual work, I can't be a good friend to someone else. I can't be present. I am going to operate out of scarcity because everything becomes this opportunity that you're either in or you're out or you're missing something. Mm -hmm. And and that's not how God designed us. I think God designed us to be, like, very anchored in who God is and who we are so that we can have this, like, abundance mindset Mm -hmm. to be with others Mm -hmm. and to be okay if we're at home on the couch. Like, that doesn't mean that we aren't worthy or aren't beloved or Mm -hmm. don't have those people. Mm -hmm. So I don't know about those of you listening today, but for me, that has been a really hard thing about coming out of this, like, lockdown phase is, mm-hmm. is trying to see where do I give my energy, what's valuable, and what does it look like to truly be satisfied with relationships and nurture the relationships in my life. Yeah, and I think that that's a, that's a good word for us to transition. Um, but before we do, I'm thinking of your immediate reaction as I shared my interpretive dance rejection story at mom's group and you said but you lit up and I think the maybe a last piece to offer to one another and also to those that are listening is that as opposed to the quantity of activities or relationships that we have to pay attention to where we really light up yes and invest in those things because God is a God of abundance God is going to give us those opportunities to connect with people. And if we can override the awkwardness, Mm -hmm. the fear of rejection, um, but also if we can nurture what nurtures us, and out of that comes these gifts that come through relationship that we can't receive in any other space, that we can't receive by ourselves, and that will not be filtered and put online but really treasured in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the invitation, I think, in this season. Um, and that's the invitation for those that are listening. As you, as you hear this episode, connect with us um, on social media. Again, we are still trying to work ourselves up to TikTok, geriatric uh, millennials over mm-hmm. here. 
Uh, David, our videographer, is shaking his head like, yeah, he get it together. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of getting it together, when you think about this loneliness, and I wonder as we end every episode, what is filling your well? Mm-hmm. Can I say two things? Yes. Am I loud? <laughs> I love how you all, whenever you're going to say something that may be different, you start with a whisper. Like, you can't hear me. (laughs) Yes, and it's not recording. Uh Yeah, (laughs) it's great. Um, Okay, so there are two things that are a little different, but similar enough. So I think the first thing has been solitude, Mm -hmm. which sounds, you know, but it goes back to that idea Mm -hmm. of centering myself, being in God's presence. Um, I love, love, love to take walks in the woods. Um, to hike and have recently started doing that stuff alone, mm. which ha- felt kind of uncomfortable to me because I don't have good directions. Um, <laughs> so I go places that are closed loop trails. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so that we don't get lost. Amen. Um, but that's been really like, I feel like I can just hear God and hear my own self think in a different way when I'm doing that. So that's mm-hmm. been one thing. Um, but also, this is going to be the corniest thing I say maybe in this whole podcast. So just oh. buckle up, friends. <laughs> I have really been – I can't even believe this. Okay, I've been trying to spend time intentionally, like, feeling gratitude and thanking God for my individual friends. Like, mm. I will find myself when I spend time with people that I really love just, like, praying, God, thank you so much that this person is my friend. Here are all the things that I'm grateful for. Mm. And I think that's helped me what you're talking about – quality over quantity because mm-hmm. I can see like the depth and the richness of the relationships in my life. Um, you sent me a text actually the other day and I can't remember what it was, but I remember I had that moment about you. I was like, Jesus, thank you for the call. You know, that's what I'm here for. And it just, <laughs> and it just, you know, it, it gave me so much joy. I was like, mm. I am so like, honestly, I'm so blessed by these people mm. and it can be so easy to see what we don't have with yes. our relationships. Mm-hmm. And so that has been a really intentional spiritual practice for me is just being really grateful for the yeah. ones I have. I'm I'm going to steal that. I'm going to I'm going to try that more intentionally. Um, I think what's filling my well right now is uh, yesterday I went to this tea, and uh, they had these like little conversation starter cards. And what my question is, what are you thankful for? And I was struck. I mean, the preacher in me immediately was like, the freedom of the gospel. <laughs> like, I really um, hope you said that. Oh, I absolutely did. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. But then I, I was like, I'm actually grateful to have had conversations with women that I hope will become friends. Mm. And that was like a pretty, that's not my personality to be like, so, I mean, are we texting after this? Like, <laughs> Group chat. Like, um, and after that, I'm not kidding, because there are maybe about 30 or 40 women there. At least a dozen came up to me and were like, when I moved here, this was really hard for me. And in Indiana, there were seven different women that had either had lived in New Jersey or were connected to New Jersey. Oh, for those wow. that don't know, I lived in New Jersey for 10 years. So it was like, wait, how, what? You're from the New Jerusalem? Like, let's talk about <laughs> Hold this. Hold on, what did you just call that? And, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and just saying what I was looking for, it seemed like, again, you thought you took the cordiness card. Mm. 
what I was looking for started looking for me. And it was women, other women saying, oh, I live, you know, in the same area as you. And we should, oh, yes, let's be friends. <laughs> and that, that's what's filling my well. Actually, because I knew this episode was coming, I actually did something different in the space. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to take that risk and publicly expect all of those women to be my friends. It's on this. the podcast. <laughs> Good. We have a record. <laughs> and all of you to be our friends. So connect with us. Think about what's filling your well and come back and join us on the next episode. Yeah, we'll see you then.